Um, well, it's a great pleasure this morning uh, to welcome Claire and her husband Pete. At least I'm hoping they're married. And um, and and Doki, uh, who's here from uh, London, uh, Puahur, but before that, Uganda. Um, it's going to be so good to hear from them. I just wanted to quickly introduce, really, uh, we have put this off for about a year based on the fact of when we could make it work and um, last year still feeling like we were recovering from COVID and people were still coming back slowly uh, on a Sunday morning. Uh, so I'm really excited to hear what and see what God does this morning through them being here with us. Uh, so it's a real pleasure to have you with us. Um, I just want to share quickly, personally, Jenny and I have been uh, and many of you here have been involved in Compassion for many years now. Uh, actually, I think we took our little boy on when he was six or seven, and he turns 18 uh, next month. So um, it feels like we've been involved in this for a long time. No, I don't know why. It's yeah, but he's a little boy called Anthony, and we sponsor a little girl called Sinai as well in Mexico. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an incredible charity. I'm looking forward to everybody hearing about it. And if you already know about it, just hearing about it fresh and hearing testimony of how God's worked in people's lives. And Doki shared a little bit this morning. And uh, she's under strict rules. She's not allowed to make me cry this morning, uh, which is pretty easy going, as you all know. Um, uh, so I just want to encourage you right at the beginning to open up your hearts and allow God to speak to you and work through you this morning as the church. Um, but we're going to roll a video to start and then Claire's going to come up. So here we go. Children around the world face the darkness of extreme poverty. Malnutrition, sickness, lack of education, even neglect, danger, and violence. These forces threaten to overcome, whispering that you are worthless, that no one sees your suffering. But that is a lie. God calls us, the body of Christ, to shine a light of hope for them, providing nourishing food supplying clean water, offering medical care, creating a safe place to play and learn, and teaching them about the incredible love of Jesus Christ. These resources overcome the darkness of poverty. These tools kindle the light. We have an opportunity to spark a brighter future for a child in need. When you rise up, when you stand boldly with them, they will flourish, they will grow, their light will shine and the darkness will not overcome it. Well, good morning, King's Church. So good to be back here with you. It's been, I don't know, seven or eight years since I was last here. And uh, so fantastic to be back here with you and uh, celebrating all that you as a church are doing to change the world through your partnership with Compassion. Compassion is just one of the things that you're doing as a church to change the world. Has everybody heard of Compassion already? Uh, anybody sponsoring a child perhaps already? Put your hand up. Keep your hand up if you're sponsoring more than one child. Wow, just look at that. What an amazing thing that you are doing. For those of you who've never heard of Compassion, uh, Compassion is a leading international child development organization that's working through churches across the world to help some of the world's very poorest children. And they can only do that with the support of loving people here choosing to sponsor children, which is what many of you are doing here. We have another slide, please. 
So these are the children that are currently being sponsored by people in King's Church, Darlington. 35 children all through your partner churches in the southwest of Uganda in a place near um, Kibali. And uh, can you see your sponsored child on there? Do you want to shout, shout their name out if you can see your sponsored child? And if you can't see your sponsored child, by the way, I have a form here. And uh, come and add that later on uh, this morning. And um, we'll get your, get your sponsorship, sponsorship linked up to the church numbers. But either way, whether you can or whether you can't see your child, do you want to sp- shout out their names? Absolutely amazing. Do you know what I love this? What I love about this is people seeing their sponsored children, you are part of their lives. They're not just in people who are living in, in somewhere that you don't know. You know these children, they're real children. You are part of their lives and they're part of your lives. What a fantastic thing it is that you're doing. It's estimated that there's about 400 million children around the world today living in extreme poverty. Extreme poverty means that Children don't even get the basics. But it's not just a number. It's real children, like these children, who are living in complete hopelessness. They have no chance of making a better life for themselves and to stepping into God's promises for them. They'll be hungry most of the time. They won't get enough to eat. They'll maybe have one meal a day, if they're lucky. They'll go for days without food means that they don't get enough nutrients to grow and develop as a result they'll suffer from poor health also because they have to drink dirty water and also because they don't have access to medicines and health care all the things that we take for granted here Um, they have little or no chance of going to school so they don't get chance to better themselves and to get an education Living in complete and utter hopelessness. That's the story for children like this and what a difference you're making in their lives. Because of your support through their church and through compassion, you enable these children to receive everything that they need to be lifted out of extreme poverty and to find hope. What a fantastic thing it is that you're doing. Because of your support, these children will get nutritious food. They'll get clothes to wear if they need clothes to wear. They'll get access to clean water. They'll have access to medicines and health care and all those sorts of things. They'll get the chance to go to school, to have an education, to go to primary school, to go on to secondary school, even go on to further education. All it costs is less than a pound a day. And that's the difference that you're making in the lives of these children. Isn't that fantastic? All that's very important. The the biggest thing that these children get is they get to learn about Jesus and find hope in him. You get to introduce your sponsored children to Jesus. How amazing is that? All of that's really important. costs you less than a pound a day. Money is really important, obviously. It provides these children with all these things. The most important thing you give your sponsored child you know what it is? Is you. You are the most important thing that you give your sponsored child. Each child will have one sponsor. So if you're sponsoring one of these children, you are their only sponsor. 
You get to be involved in their lives. You get to write letters to them and they write letters back. Isn't it brilliant when we get letters from our, ch our sponsored children? Yeah? yeah? Just imagine how they feel when they get a letter from you. It's incredible, isn't it? We get to, poverty tells children you're hopeless, you're worthless, nobody cares about you. Through our letters, we get to tell them otherwise. We get to tell them we love them. We get to tell them we're proud of them. We get to tell them we pray for them. What an absolute privilege, isn't it? Do you know, people say there's so, much, so many issues in the world today, there's nothing we can do to make a difference. We can't change the world. Is it true? Of course it's not true. Just look at what you're doing. It's absolutely incredible. This is so close to God's heart, what we're doing here. God is God, and God is good, and God is love. Do you know there's more than 2,000 verses in the Bible about poverty and injustice and God's commands to his people to intervene and to get involved? We should expect it to work when we're doing things like this. Jesus calls us to, to love God to love our neighbour, to do good, to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth and show a hurting and needy world his love and his salvation and his promises. And that's what we're doing. It is that simple. When we get involved with things like this, that's exactly what we're doing. We should expect it to work, and it does work. The Bible also tells us to keep doing it, to keep going it. When everything else looks like it's failing and there's all sorts of issues in the world, in Galatians 6 verse 9, we read, do not grow weary of doing good. Do not grow weary of doing good. Because in its proper time, you will reap a harvest. It doesn't say you might reap a harvest. It doesn't say you could reap a harvest. It says you will reap a harvest. So let's keep on keeping on. Let's keep on doing good and expecting what we do, what we, when we do what Jesus and what God calls us to do, we should trust God and trust that when we put what he says into practice, we will make a huge difference in the world. Why? Because that's what he calls us to do and that's what he empowers us to do. So keep on going, really keep on going. Compassion is just one of the things that you can do. I'm not by any means saying compassion is the only way that you can change the world. But it is so of God. It's so practical, it's so personal, it's so effective. We are changing the world, you are changing the world. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Next slide, please. These are a little group of children or from your partner churches in Uganda who are waiting for sponsors today. They're all real children. They are all, without exception, desperately needy children, some of the poorest children in the world. And um, I ask each one of you this morning if you would be able to sponsor one of these children. It costs you less than a pound a day to literally transform the lives of one of these children. And um, I can't recommend it highly enough. Just one example of one of the children, little girl here called Patience. 
um, very sorry-looking little girl. Her tummy's um, distended because she's not getting enough food. Um, she's five years old. Um, lives with her mum and dad. The house where she lives, it'll be a one-roomed house, has a dirt floor, wood walls, and a tin roof. And she lives there with her mum and her dad and four brothers and sisters. And uh, you could choose to change the life of a child like this today. We'll be out the back. No pressure on anybody, by the way, to sponsor a child. It's just giving you the opportunity to do this. Um, we'll be out the back and come and have a chat with us. Um, so this little girl, her details here waiting for a sponsor. 17 years ago, there was a young lady called Doki. And she had her photograph like this taken hoping that somebody would choose to sponsor her and change her life. Unfortunately for her, um, a gentleman, a gentleman in America changed her life by sponsoring her. And she's here today joining me to share her story. Thank you, Doki. So, do you want to just introduce yourself? We only met last night. She had a really difficult journey up from um, London because, of course, there's a rail strike. Um, so, Doki travelled all the way by bus last night and, arri and arrived with us in the wilds of Massam, North Yorkshire, um, quite late. Um, so, we don't know that much about you. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, um, what you do for a job and that sort of thing? Let me see if I can remember. How then? Is that the greeting? Oh, oh now then. Now then, yes. Now then. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Halfway right. Now then. Excuse me. When somebody says now then to you, what do you say back? Come on. Come on. Let's, let's, do, it. let's do it again. Come on. Now then. <laughs> now then. Um, hi. My name is Doki, all right? Um, I live in London. Uh, I said that earlier and someone said London. So, yes, I'm from London. Um, I work with Lambeth College. Um, I work with the special needs department and I teach dig digital skills. Wow. And is it true, um, you told my husband, Pete, earlier that you worked for the BBC? Yes. Um, first job that I did when I came here, I was a voiceover artist with BBC and Al Jazeera. Yes. Wow, isn't that wow? Yes, yeah, so we have almost a celebrity here. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so life for you growing up um, in Uganda was pretty hard compared to what it is now. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what life was like for you growing up, your family circumstances, what it was like where you were living and what the circumstances were? Um, I was born in northern Uganda um, and... Anyone that's heard of Uganda or the northern parts, uh, we went through a war, a civil war that lasted for years. So I was born during that war. And in the war, we lost everything. And when I say we lost everything, we lost our home. And because the wilderness, or rather, I would say the bushes, um, were the safest place for us to go because every day you would be told by your parents to go and, find, go and find a safe 
um, part of the wilderness for you to spend the night because that was the only way you could keep your child safe. That was the life we lived. And most of the time we came back home in the next day, our houses have been burnt down. So we have to start building afresh. So that was the life we were living um, until as if that was not bad enough. Till one day, my sister was of age, about 12, 13, on her way to school. Um, they, she, she was abducted by the rebels. My sister was taken. Uh, reason as to why she was taken, my sister was of age to be a wife. So the rebels saw her as that, so she was taken. And the, the, the boys of that age were, were meant to be young soldiers. And because it was easier to brainwash a child. So because my sister was gone, um, it was hard for us to run to the government for help because so many children were taken. My mother had to go after the rebels to find my sister. And my mom was gone. We weren't sure if she was going to come back. But because when the rebels abduct a child from a family, they're telling you we actually know the background of that child. So they know how many children you have, how many siblings are there. And so they'll be coming back for the rest of the children. And so what my father did was to find, he had to find us a safe place to go. And we ended up in Kampala, the capital city. So you would think, yes, then Kampala, capital city, that's, yeah. It's a wonderful place, safe. In terms of war, it was safe. But then we ended up in, in a one-room, one and I don't mean a one-room, a one-bedroom house, one room. And that was, oh, if it was the size of the state, that would have been the biggest room. <laughs> but um, it was... Uh, quarter of this of this stage and in that room because my father had his own children to look after plus we had cousins who were often in the war and um, we ended up as altogether 13 kids plus my dad 14 of us in that room that was our <laughs> that was our life that was our living room our bedroom and all we did was there were no toilets in the area, no bathrooms. So my father would say, oh, if you need to do any toilet business, you wait for school time <laughs> so you can finish it from there. Uh, that was the life. And most of the time we went to bed hungry. I remember one time when my sister Jackie said, you know what, let's just boil water so neighbors would think we're going to have something to eat. But we, we had not eaten for two days. So... That was the life we were living, and certain things became normal. Yesterday, you asked me if abducting a child was something normal. Yeah, that was normal. That side, we in Kampala, working as a child slave was normal. Abuse became normal, and when I say abuse, yes, it was a normal thing. It, we saw it as yeah, no one is going to protect you from it, so you have to just accept it. It's your life now. So that was the life we were living. Wow. And how did it feel to be living like that? How did it feel for you as a, as a, as a small child? You know, as a child, 
at that stage, you don't see yourself as a child. You have to grow up. You, you have to mature. Um, because what, what was your life? There was no point in you dreaming to be somebody else because all you saw was that, the life you're living there and then, and you had to finish it there and then. Whatever you have that moment, that's what you're going to have. So you don't dream of the next day. So tell me, tell me, tell us what changed. How did that change for you? Um, sorry. <laughs> you know, there's, some, there's some tissues at the front of the stage here, if anybody needs tissues. You know, tissues. like, uh, <laughs> uh, Compassion says um, they, um, they work with the local church. And not because Compassion just wants to work with churches. It's because they know the church is aware of their surroundings and they know what's happening. So there was a church nearby um, coming from a Christian home. My, my father still pushed us to church. He didn't go, but he made sure we went. Um, he, one of the pastors in the church knew what my family was going through. So he came and told us about compassion. And he told us the day we are taking in new kids into the project, we'll, I'll let you know. Unfortunately, on the day um, it was happening, my father wasn't home. He had to go looking for work. And so um, my sister Jackie and I saw these kids queuing up. And so we joined the queue. That's how we became part of compassion. <laughs> That's Yes. Fantastic. And uh, what difference did that make for your life? What did you get through your compassion project? Um, first of all, I'll talk about when the day I was told I got a sponsor. Um, I came, I went back to my, to my neighbours, not just my family. Um, I had to let everyone know that I got a sponsor. So I came screaming, yay, I'm being sponsored by some white guy in America. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, oh, thank God he was from America. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was, that, to me, that was the best thing I was told because at that moment in time, I knew that if he's picked me, he's... I'm going to be somebody in life. I saw myself as someone because I was, I, I, I could start dreaming. I, I started to dream of things I wanted to be. I told Pete this morning that I, yes, from that moment in time, I wanted to become a news, news anchor. And that was when my dream started. Yes. Phenomenal. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. What would you say to anybody here who is thinking of, I don't know, sponsoring a child or thinking about, hey, sponsoring another child? What would you, what would you say to them? First of all, if you're sponsoring a child, thank you so much. I'm here as a formerly sponsored child. I'm a living testimony of what sponsorship can do. And I'll just have to remind you one thing, write your letters. <laughs> Um, one thing about letter writing is that um, that was actually my second announcement to my village. That, yeah, he's written, he's written. So I made sure everyone read it. Because to me, that was that, it was the stamp 
that this person was real. It was, they weren't, they weren't making it up. He was there. So, and seeing my name on that letter, and I thought, yes, he does know my name. He, he actually knows me, the excitement. And so, if you're sponsoring a child today, you might think, okay, it's just one child. No, and I'll always say this, it starts with one child. And when you change one child's life, you've changed a whole family. And why I say a whole family, compassion will work with the whole family, will help the whole family. They made sure I got food, not just for me, it was for my family. My family received food from compassion every single week. And so it starts with one child, and one child changes a family. And when you change one fam a family, what do you change? You change a whole community. whole community. And when you change a whole community, you've changed a whole nation. And it just starts with one child. Yeah, Thank that's you. right. It, it take, I guess it, ta it takes just one act of obedience. Like I said, this is so close. What we're doing is so close to God's heart. And I really believe God touches our hearts with this. I mean, I cry. You were probably crying. I don't believe those are my tears. You know what I mean? I believe this is God's heart. I believe this is God's heart. And he yearns for justice and righteousness and all these things for, for children like you living there. Thank you so much you. for sharing with us. Um, and, and just to say to, to you people, please... Please think about sponsoring a child. Like I say, no pressure on anybody to sponsor a child. We're so grateful for what you're doing. I mean, just look at the difference that you've made. And uh, you might not know all the stories of, of your own sponsored children, but know that you are changing their lives in the same way that Doki's life has been changed by, by her sponsor. And I know that this is a difficult time to be asking people to think about giving. It is. We know, we know that. It's, um, you know, we're all worried about, about what's going on in the economy and rising costs of, well, pretty much everything. But I really believe that we as Christians, as people of God, we live according to a different economy. We live according to God's economy. This might be difficult to hear, but everything we have is God's in the first place. He is God. He is in control. And... Um, I believe, and this is what I'm taking, taking on board for myself, and hear this if you want to hear it. I believe that now is the time when we as people of God should be giving more, not less. Take that on board if you believe that that's, that's right for you. I've, I've, I've felt challenged by that myself. Um, Proverbs 19, it says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and God will reward them for what they've done. Isn't that incredible that we can actually, by reaching out to people in need around us, whether close by or to the ends of the earth, we are actually giving to God. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 25. Whatever you do for one of the least of these, you do for me. Anybody want to get close to Jesus? And when we lend to the Lord and he pays us back and gives us a reward, do we think he gives us less than we gave to him. He gives us more. Of course he gives us more. Bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for all that you do. What I love about this church is that whenever I phone up and speak to the lovely Mags, <clears throat> I have to wait to speak to her because I've got to go through all of the options of things you're doing in the church to actually get to talk to her. You do fantastic stuff. Thank you so much and God bless you.